Welcome to Trained Up, a podcast where we train in the Word so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My name is Luke. I will be your host. I am an aspiring pastor, current seminary student, and I am joined, as always, by my mother. Mother has a name. Her name is Karen. Hi, mother. Hi. (laughs) So today, we are... After our big Christmas spectacular episode. It was pretty spectacular. Yeah, and it was certainly long enough to be called a spectacular. <laughs> um, we are talking this week about Leviticus 19.28. But before we get there, okay, I do have to say uh, we had some comments. I love comments uh, about the Christmas spectacular and some other ideas I just wanted to throw out there for our listeners, from our listeners, on how to incorporate uh, more uh, a Christ-centered Christmas. And so some of the ideas um, were things like an advent. Why didn't we think of an advent? Doing a family advent, you know, where you have every day you open up one of the little windows and and you read some scripture. And that was a good idea. I don't know why we didn't think of that. Um, So a Christ-focused advent. I know some advents could be... Sure. I don't know, different. Well, that's what the face was a minute oh, ago that I made yeah, to you. People was, couldn't see your face. I could. Yeah, I just. And it's adorable. Okay, that's weird. Okay, so <laughs> the other a uh, couple other comments were um, obviously attending church, but we we dealt with that in the in the podcast itself. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the Advent one was like, why didn't we think of that? And then. Um, also, uh, family worship, making sure you're doing like a, a set, um, some, some places have put together like devotionals to do during the month of December with your family. Um, and so family worship that incorporates, you know, the worship of Christ and, um, learning more about the actual birth of Christ, um, and things like that. So, um, also we had... Uh, an idea of uh, when you go around to look at the Christmas lights in your neighborhood, um, playing Christmas worship music. If you have little kids, there's a lot of resources out there for Christmas worship music that focuses on Christ. Um, or, you know, if you have like teenagers or adults, just Christmas worship music um, as you go around and look at your lights and, and, and things like that. So those were some good ideas, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I like I think any kind of like direction, like intentional direction back to scripture, back to Christ as the yeah. center of Christmas is going to help kids, your family like remember what's going on and why it's going on. Right. Um and like, you know, that obviously you're going to play to the level of understanding that your you know, children or your family has about that. Right. right? Like my 2-year-old you know, we did our best. Yeah, <laughs> you know, wow. to focus that. But you know, I'm honestly, I was the night before Christmas. I'm not sure he knew what Christmas was, and then <laughs> during Christmas, he was like, "Oh my word, I can just open all these presents." So, right, and he's two, right? We have yeah. time, but but yeah. we did start before we even opened the gifts. You know, you definitely pulled out the the children's Bible, and we were focusing on the birth of Christ uh, from the Bible narrative. And then we opened our gifts, uh, prayer, some prayer time, that kind of thing. And that's hard for kids to look at all those gifts and wait, but he did really well with that. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you try what you try. I'm just, you know, 
I think just that that consistent application, even if they don't quite understand, is going to help. You know, eventually we're going to get that understanding. Right. Anyway, that's not this episode. No, but I just appreciated all the feedback from our listeners. Yes. So thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. So this week we're looking at Leviticus nineteen twenty-eight, and I'm going to read it right Let's off the bat. Let's do it. Let's do so it. So here we go. Leviticus nineteen twenty-eight says. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. So, Mom, why are we looking at this verse today? Well, honestly, again, it was a question from one of our listeners, and it is a pretty hot topic mm -hmm. out there in Christian you know, circles. Can Christians have tattoos? Yeah. So this is one where we're actually responding to a question from a listener and D digging into this particular Bible verse more because this is the verse that I swear everyone goes to in regards to the question, can Christian have tattoos? So are we taking out of context? Are we using it properly? Mm -hmm. You know, are yeah. we misusing it? That's why we're dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is a question that is fairly prevalent. I think in the in the conversation, especially between the generations in the church. Yes. I think my generation, the maybe younger generation, has kind of universally said it's fine. And a lot of the older generation is still saying, No, it's not fine. You should you should not have tattoos. And they point to the and this verse is the is the battleground that we're pointing to yeah. for for this. It's one um, of them. I mean, there's other verses that we're going to bring up along the way, but it, I think it's the the prime verse. This verse, serves, this verse serves as a good launching off point for the discussion because it seems so clear, right? It seems like it just says, do not tattoo yourselves. Well. And we'll get into this, but I think one of the things that this verse is helps us to, to wrestle with and to think about is the different types of law in the Old Testament, and specifically in Leviticus, and the different ways that that people have interpreted that right. those commands, and so I think we're going to be yeah. able to do some some exercise, and we're going to work those text critical muscles that we have in Love this working area. My muscles. In this area that we don't typically work, so, yeah. so that's what I like. So let's. So I think what you're okay. saying is it brings about a conversation that. That is more important because a lot of people do ask, well, if you're going to hold to that, why don't you hold to this, you know, mm -hmm. and how do we determine, you know, what, what parts of the Levitical law and what parts of the law in general still apply to us uh, today? And that's an important question. I also think it brings about another important question. I listened to this other podcast from some guy from Texas this week. I don't remember his name. Great. Love that guy. Yeah. Texas. We'll call him Mr. Texas. So Mr. Texas, he uh, brought up an interesting, um, broader conversation about the difference between Christianity and churchianity. Yeah. And we could get into that a little bit too. Sure. But so there's some broader topics that are going to come from the simple question of can Christian ta have tattoos? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that both, if you're saying... Tattoos aren't allowed, and you've never thought this through. That's churchianity. Correct. And if you're saying, 
What did I just say? They're yeah, you said allowed. it right. Okay. And if you're saying they are allowed and you haven't thought about it, you don't have the way to articulate that. That's also churchianity. Correct. You neither of you have have worked this through and thought about this, and right. so both sides then are wrong. But we'll talk about that right as we get into. And it. if you think that we're going to give you a definitive answer, they are right or wrong. That's not our goal here. Our goal is to talk about these issues in a way that helps us determine not what we think but what the Bible says. So that's the goal, really, of the whole podcast, is um, we're not basing whether we think it's right or wrong on on our cultural, uh, generational feelings and thoughts. We're going to oh, base sure. it on the Word of God. Sure. And that is the main difference between Christianity and churchianity. Right. Sure, yeah. So let's uh, let's do our let's do our mile high view. Let's look at the book of Leviticus. Okay. Leviticus was written by who was it written by? Mom? Moses. Yes, it was written by Moses. The first five books of the Bible were all written by Moses. That's why we call them either sometimes they're called the uh, Pentateuch or the Torah Law. Um, and so and they're called this because they they serve as the basis and the law of both understanding where the people of Israel came from and the laws that the people of Israel follow. And Leviticus is a hundred percent about the laws that they follow. There is a few snippets of speeches in there, but they're, they're not very prevalent. It is mostly understanding the law. And so when we look at Leviticus, it's vital that we look at what are the different types of laws now. And I can remove this if you don't do well, do you know Excuse you. there are three different types of laws? Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Do you uh, know what the three are? Sure. Ceremonial law. That's one of them. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm on a quiz show. And moral law. That's another one of them, right? You got ceremonial, moral. Yeah. Ceremonial law, moral law. Now this is the one everyone forgets. Oh, man. It's not coming to me. There's three of them. I, I, it's not Do you coming. need a lifeline? I need a lifeline. It's the civil law. The third civil is the law. civil law. Um, and so understanding these three types of laws is what's going to allow us to interpret Leviticus and other books like it that deal with laws in a way that we can then understand where the lines of Christian liberty are and where the lines of this is simply what, what God has commanded all people to do for all ages. Because these laws are laws that God gave to the Israelites in a specific time, for a specific place, a specific moment in the plan of redemptive history, these some of these laws are categorized differently. So we'll start with the easiest one, and that's the moral law. That's the easiest one to understand. The moral laws are laws that have not, there's no change in them at all, right? What was said in its original Old Testament context is identically true to what is meant today. Best example of these laws are the Ten Commandments, right? Right. Can you give me an example, a one-for-one? Like, this is how it's mentioned. Do not murder, still don't do that. Okay, good. Yeah, I I like concrete Yeah, so do not murder, still don't murder. And they're not just the Ten Commandments, there are others. But here's the key. Here's, Here's what really helps us to determine what is certainly a moral law. If a law, if a command is repeated in the New Testament, we know it sticks, 
right? We know it holds true if a New Testament writer who is living in the redemptive age, in the already but not yet age that we're living in, if they have reiterated a command in Scripture, then we know that's one of the moral ones. It hasn't changed okay. because they're living in the same age we are. All right. And so we know that hasn't changed. Makes sense. Right? And these, these we call them the moral laws because they, they serve as moral commands, how we are to act. Honor your father and mother is a moral command about how how to act and the disposition we have towards each other. But we'll use murder, right? How, how Where can I go one-to-one in the New Testament with murder? I mean, it's not that hard for us to just reason there. But right. Jesus, right? right? Jesus says, if you have anger towards someone in your heart, you've committed yeah. murder with him. He leveled it up. Yeah, he he's didn't level presupposing. It down. <laughs> yeah, he's presupposing the first one. And right. he's saying, that was right. Don't murder was correct. And actually, go a step further. Don't right. even hate someone. And so... So we know, okay, actually the sin is hating someone. Right. It's even it's even closer. And so there are times like that where there where there Jesus has given them more clarity right. as to what the real heart matter is. Right. But the moral laws stick. That's their thing. I like to say he leveled it up. Yeah. Moral laws are one for one. They stick. Right. Okay. Now Ceremonial laws are probably the next easiest to understand, and that's because they usually involve killing something. Right. Um, these are the laws that deal with the temple. Okay, so how do we sacrifice animals in the temple? What do we do with the different sacrifices? All of the different kinds. What's the difference between a, um, a food offering, a grain offering, a vow offering, a free will offering? All of these different things. They're all laws that we'll find and we'll read in the Old Testament. They have merit and worth. I don't want to say do not read these laws. Do not read through these books of the Bible. Because they are important and they do foreshadow the things that we now get to experience in a way better way than than these first people did. Yeah, if nothing else, it helps you realize what a gift the substitutional sacrifices of Christ. So. Yeah, and so they are important and they're there for a reason and we have them for a reason. Right. But... In a law sense, we don't follow those anymore. Those have been abolished. And now you're going to, you know, you might say, well, if it's in, if it's in scripture, how can we just say it's out now? That's right. Why do we say that? Well, we can say that because ceremonially, in the way the sacrificial system works, Jesus has forever taken the place of those sacrifices. Those sacrifices were told in, in the New Testament, they were temporary and they, were, they weren't actually effectual. In fact, they were only foreshadowing Christ until he comes. Right. But now we have that and we live in that. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, his death, was the greatest sacrifice, the fulfillment of the sacrifice, and his rising means we no longer need to sacrifice right. because he has forever defeated death. And he so has that's, taken the blame right. of all our sins upon himself. Right. And so there's no reason for us to continue ceremonial laws right. because of that. Absolutely. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. But that's why we abolish I don't say that. that lightly either. I wake up and thank God for that every day. Yeah. And sure. That I, is the greatest gift we've, I mean, we just have no idea. We take it too lightly. That's true. Yeah. That's our salvation. Yes. Absolutely. So... Moral laws, we keep one for one. Ceremonial laws are out because of Christ and his great sacrifice for us. Civil. Third is civil. And civil are the harder ones to understand. So civil laws are laws that God gave to Israel to 
help their society function and to keep them safe. A great example of, about this is so you'll find in in the in the um, in the law, I believe in Leviticus, although I could be wrong, and I'm worried I'm wrong about that. You'll find there's a Look law. It up. There's a law about. <laughs> you'll find there's a law about putting a fence around your roof, right? Oh. This isn't a ceremonial law. It has nothing to do with the temple. It has nothing to do with religious observance, um, and it's not a moral law because there's nothing either evil or not evil about a fence on a roof, right? And so. This is the civil law. It's a law to help you function well as a society. And so, in these laws... Why did they put fences around their roofs? You can't leave me hanging on that. We're getting there. Okay. In these laws, what we have to determine is what was the intent of the law. So, so what, did God, what was God protecting society from in instituting this law? Let's get to our roof example. Yeah. So, in this time, it was common... In, in the time of, of them leaving Egypt and going into to Judah, and really throughout the history of when Israel would have been a major power, it was common for, if you were going to have people over, you, a lot of people would hang out on the roof. You would hang out on the roof of the house. It's, it is open air up there. It's a little, you know, it's less, it's more relaxing to be up there. You, you would hang out up there. And so he says, put a fence around your, your roof so that if somebody is having too good of a time and trips, they don't fall off the roof and die. That's a good point. But if there was a fence there, it would catch them. That's right? good advice there. And so that's to keep you safe okay. right, from an accident. Happening. Sure. And that's why, and you'd be punished if you didn't have that and someone fell off and died. Not right, only would right. you, not only was there punishment in the law for that, but it's reasonable that the avenger of blood could come after you, right? Because you killed their family. It would be as if you killed their family member. So, this is to keep people safe. Is why the fence is up there on the roof. Safety. Now, safety first. Let's translate that to us, right? I don't have parties on my roof. In fact, it would be quite sure hard not. with the steepness of my roof. Yeah. It would be kind of difficult to get a lot of people up on my roof. And so, me putting a fence on my roof. Well, maybe symbolically indicates that I follow the Old Testament one for one. It doesn't actually do the thing that, that God had prescribed it to do, keep people safe. But if I had a swimming pool that, that people could run through my backyard and accidentally fall into and drown, then I better put a fence around that. Well, it's the law. Well, yes, it's the civil law. <laughs> First of all, a lot of our laws are simply derived from these laws. Right. We, we know that. That's not crazy. But... But why do we put fences around pools? Because somebody could could run in, fall in, and die yeah. while we're not even back there. And sue the pants off of you. Right. Just as someone could come after somebody who didn't put a fence on their roof. Right. So, we, so we've applied that fence roof fence law in a way that keeps the heart of what God was trying to apply. Keep each other safe. Right. In a different way by putting a fence around pools around you know if you have a you know aggressive dog in the backyard around the dog yeah. like we we apply that same that same principle all right now so i have a question okay so some of this civil law does get carried over into the new testament sure and so that's why a lot of people have some confusions on what parts of these civil laws or even some ceremonial laws must we carry over and continue? 
I'm going to give you an example. Okay, yeah, because I'm a little... So, like, women wearing a headdress. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, in the New Testament, Paul gives us... First Corinthians, to be exact. In First Corinthians. um, He brings that up again. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yep. He is saying wearing a uh, covering over your head, not of your hair. Okay, so that is brought into the... And I believe that's a ceremonial law. Am I right? Uh, Instead of a civil or a moral. So we're a little... So, okay. I'll use that to to help kind of explain this, right? So head covering would probably be considered a ceremonial law. Yeah. Because, because it's it was dealing with worship. religious observance, right? Yeah. And so, so on the ceremonial side, we can say, we could say to Paul... Paul, we don't need to wear these head coverings because they were part of the old ceremony and we don't have that. Jesus has freed us from that. And I, and Paul would probably agree with that, right? Okay. And if we deal with the civil problem, it communicates something to other people when we either do or do not wear head coverings, right? And in Paul's day, it's communicating something to people. But that's where what Paul is applying is he's taking that ceremonial law and he's saying... To apply it in the moral way. Because what he's saying is what you're communicating with your either covered or uncovered head is communicating something specific to the people around you. And in that time, if I if I was a man in that passage, he tells men not to cover their heads and women to cover their heads. And in that time, and in that specific city of Corinth, if you were a man and you were in a religious place covering your head, you would be mistaken for a pagan priest. Because they always covered their heads. The men, the male pagan priests always covered their heads to do that. And if you were a woman without an uncovered head, you would be seen in a scandalous light instead of because of the culture of what they're to wear. Okay. So you're and saying- so Paul is saying to not offend, to not throw a wrench into that. We women wear these head coverings not because you have to necessarily but because we are because you are going to communicate something that you don't want to communicate to others if you if you don't and men do the same thing in the opposite way don't wear that head covering because you're going to be communicating something that that you don't mean either and so while you may have liberty to not please do because of what it's communicated. Which brings up a whole topic of Christian liberty and when we... And, and that's a big sure. topic that's got to come out of this conversation. Right. But let's get back to ceremonial let's get law. back to our text. Let's just... Yeah. So um, give me a one-to-one example then of the civil law in the Old Testament that is carried over into the New Testament. I don't have one of those. Do you have one of those? No. I'm asking for I one. I don't think it is. So you think... The New Testament doesn't really talk about civil law. You think uh, the whole entirety of the civil law is similar to the ceremonial law in that... No. There's no one-to-one. There's no one-to-one, but we follow the heart of what the civil law said. I see what you're saying. We follow the intention of the civil law, not the letter of the civil law. So we follow the letter of the moral law... We don't follow the ceremonial law, and we follow the intent. We follow the heart of the civil law. So let me rephrase this: we follow the 
the word to word of the moral law. Yep. The intent of the civil law. Yep. And the ceremonial law has been abolished. Right. Because we have a greater ceremonial Correct. law. Correct. Okay. Just wanna just wanna get all that straight in my head. Yeah. There you go. Moral law, word for word. Um ceremonial law abolished civil law the heart of the matter right uh -huh. what a, a lot of people will use this as an argument against what you're saying there uh, matthew 5 17 through 20 jesus uh -huh. is insisting that his purpose was not to do away with the torah or the prophets but to bring them for, to fulfillment he says until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the Torah until everything is accomplished. Uh -huh. So people will use that verse uh, to refute what you're saying there. Yeah, and I would say, oh no, you got me, if any of it did pass away. But we're, we're agreeing. We're saying none right. of it passed away. Even that ceremonial law that we're not observing, it's not gone. We it's still have it. fulfilled. Yes. It's not gone. It has been completed in the work right. of Christ, which is exactly what he's saying. He didn't remove it. He didn't say this is useless Let's and take it's it out. out. That's why I told you still read it. Right. Still know it and invest in it. Yes. It's still valuable because it's not gone. It's completed. Right. And that, you know, I know I harp on this a lot. Do not listen to any preachers who tell you to unhitch your Christianity from the Old Testament. Yeah. You, you, I mean, this verse right here. You just go straight to that. Uh -huh. I Jesus know you would not have fulfilled anything if, if we unhitch the Old Testament. So yeah. it's kind of important to keep that there. Yeah, pretty important. Yeah. Okay. So back to the tattooing. So now let's talk about our passage and yeah. tattoo it. <laughs> so do not so our our text, right? It says do not mark your do not cut yourselves for the dead or tattoo yourself. Let's read it again. Let's okay. just let's just read flat let's out refresh. read it again. Refresh. Read it again. All right, you're ready. Here we go. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Yes. Okay. That's what it says. That's what it says, so, people. So, now, maybe a first argument is, okay, so is it saying don't tattoo yourselves for the dead specifically? My argument against that is it seems dubious that in the Hebrew, the for the dead is is augmenting, is interacting with tattooed. More, it's, it's only interacting... It, Many scholars will say it's only interacting with the uh, cut yourselves. And one of the reasons why that's so prevalent, why, why that thought seems to make a lot of sense is, so in the, the cultural sphere that they're in, in the, the Middle East, we would call it the Middle East today, but in that part of the world at this time, it's very common in mourning ceremonies and in ritually mourning ceremonies. So, so you're mourning the dead in your religious sacrifices, in your way, in that culture, a culture's way of doing that. It was very common in this time period to gash yourselves, to physically cut cuts into your body when, when you were doing this, when you were performing these rituals, and, and bleed like that. A great example from Scripture that we see about this is, in, or is when Elijah 
is offer it has challenged the priests of Baal to make fire come down from heaven. And it says that they were cutting themselves all over the place and trying to get get Baal to to have this come down. Because this was a part of this this culture's what worship. What a bloody mess. What a bloody mess. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for the color commentary. That's what I do. But um so another aspect of religious observance and religious worship in a lot of these cultures is to tattoo yourselves a lot of these higher priests they would have some form of tattoo that that helps to signify them and and aids them in their religious uh practice right um, and so you can see how these two things are linked together pretty closely because yeah. they're both involved in the same kind of way right um and so culturally yeah. at the time yes it was really used as a, a pagan practice right. of worshiping these other gods and also um, something with the dead. Honoring the dead. Yeah, honoring the dead. It, well, it's so, okay. We typically, if you're a Christian, you'll have a funeral for your deceased relative. And a lot of times there's a pastor there and they'll give some kind of eulogy, some right. kind of like farewell message, right? Right. Um at our funerals at ancient mesopotamian funerals uh there'd be some cutting yourself and dancing i like our version a little better it's cleaner yeah i'll say yeah uh, we're much okay cleaner. but then that brings up an interesting question a lot of people get tattoos to honor their dead relatives they get their dead relative tattooed on their body, the name, or some uh -huh. symbol to represent their remembrance of that. Yeah. Are we tattooing for the dead in that case? Maybe. Is it the same? Is that one-to-one? -one? Apples and apples? Or are we doing apples and oranges here? I don't think it's one-to-one. -one. I think there's maybe an argument to be made there. But I think one of the big things is, are you, is, this isn't a mode of worship. Right. As it's a mode of remembering that deceased loved one. Okay, so, but it's cutting yourself for the dead. Was well, not cutting yourself? It'd be tattooing yourself. But yeah, I poking yourself for the dead. Poking yourself repeatedly with ink for the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I sure. I think that the cultural context that we're in in this passage means that. The bigger problem we're looking at is its close association with pagan rituals that are to pagan gods. And, and sometimes those pagan practices were the worship of their ancestors, of their deceased. And so this is also wrong. I think there is probably even now, there are sometimes tattoos that people get for the deceased that are bordering on worshipping that deceased relative. I think that there are definitely people that can do that. There are definitely people, groups today, that do worship ancestors in in a way that we would definitely call pagan. Okay. Uh, I think that exists. I don't think that exists a lot in our context here in America right now. Right, right. Yeah, but it could. I, I certainly could. So and we're I going think, to that heart motivation. Right. And so... so if this is the context of the verse, what type of law do you think this is? Is this moral, ceremonial, or civil? 
Well, it seems moral because... Whoa, you think it's moral? Well, here's why. Because you're worshiping another god and you are... If you're doing it in that context, you're actually tattooing yourself or cutting yourself as a practice of worship to an idol god. And so you're breaking God's moral law of having no other gods before me. So to me, it seems moral. Okay. So I think you're falling into a trap. The letter of the law. If we only, we're not talking about the intention, all you're evaluating right now is the law that says, do not cut yourself for the dead or tattoo yourself. Okay. That's so. That's all it's before. All not right, the letter because of the law, I'm then, God. Not because not you're moral, worshiping other gods. It's, but you were talking about it in context of the cultural. Sure. Well, we talked about the context. We talked about because the context is going to help us know what to do with this. Because sure. if it is moral, it's one to one. We right. do not cut ourselves or tattoo ourselves. Well, I'm just saying I'm going to play the, the devil's advocate here. That's probably not the right word. But you know. Maybe generationally my generation is going to be on this side that you shouldn't have tattoos so that is one of the arguments that i have heard is that it should be one-to-one because it is a moral law because of the context of of how it was used then to worship other gods therefore it makes it a moral law sure here's one of the problems with that argument is that still true so are you are we getting tattooed now to worship other gods? Right. Or so yes. Is that still true? Because when I look at you shall not murder, it's still true that we kill people. Right. And we kill people for the same reasons. Because we hate them. Right. Or because we're sick, I guess. I don't know. It, we kill people for the same reasons. The context, even though it is widely different, the cultural we're culturally different than yeah. those people. We kill people for the same thing. Uh huh. Okay. Do we do I'm this gonna, for the same thing? I'm going to argue. The same context. Go ahead. I'm going to argue. argue. Go ahead. Um, idol worship is idol worship. So we have a lot of idols in our world. We're not just talking about other gods here, but we are because they're idols. And so if I get a tattoo of the Steelers on my body. Uh, and I really do struggle with idol worship of football. I put that above everything. My girlfriend, my boyfriend, above everything. I'm getting their name tattooed on me. Am I not tattooing as idol worship? Maybe you are. That's that's an argument. Uh huh. But then. I would argue that even what you're arguing for now isn't moral law because what you're arguing for is to keep the heart of the law. Okay. Which is do not worship other gods in any way, which would be the heart of this, right? And so that would mean that this law wouldn't be moral but would be civil because... I think that's a fine line you're splitting there. Because you're not saying... Do not cut yourself, or I mean, you might be saying. Don't okay, cut yourself. I see what you mean. By but you're not saying don't tattoo yourself ever for any reason. You're saying if you tattoo yourselves to worship the god of football that you have set up, that's wrong, and I agree with you. So that that would actually mean that what you really mean is it's a civil law, because we're going to follow the heart and not the letter. Okay, because we're not we're not talking about the moral law here. 
word for word of do Ooh. not place any other do not worship any other gods or ugh, help me out do here. not put any other gods before yes. me we're yeah. not we're not talking about that word for word we're actually which is a talking moral about the that one is a moral law do not this specific verse uh-huh okay yeah and that one and don't put any other gods before me that is a moral law right and that and that word for word that's what we follow that carries do over. not put any gods before him Anyway, all that to say, Boy, that's we're, moral. We're all in trouble then. That's moral. <laughs> this is yes, we are. That's moral, and this is this this though will be civil because the heart of it equals that moral law, right? Where it's pointing to that one, right? Correct. And so, so would we have to think... look at the heart of that, right? So I think what you're saying is. Let's say I'm a Christian and I get my favorite Bible verse tattooed on me. Uh-huh. The heart of that is a worship of the our one true God. So the heart of that behind that is different than the heart of the person who is getting, you know, some sports team tattooed on them right. because that is primary. And not only primary, it's in, you know, it's there. It's it's what they worship. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only thing they worship. Sure. So that's a different heart. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're arguing is the tattooing goes back to the heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quick. I've got some arguments. Okay. Well, quick before we... Go more into these arguments. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to rule out the ceremonial law, and I want to tell you why it's not a ceremonial law. Okay, because you might have heard me say this is a religious practice, and then you're like, wait a minute. It, like you might, you may be listening to this and thinking, wait a minute, didn't you say if it dealt with religious, if it dealt with religious practice, ceremonial practice, then it was a ceremonial law, and that's done away with. And here's why I can confidently say no. Those ceremon- the ceremonial law that we're done away that's done away with is always in the positive. So it's saying do this. Take a goat, sacrifice a goat, take a sheep, sacrifice a sheep. It's in the positive. These things that are in the negative, like do not do anything, we can't throw those out because they're not ceremonial, because he's saying don't be like the other people. And so they're not ceremonial. And that's why we can quickly say well, it's not abolished entirely. It's right. not like I can cut myself for the dead now. Um, because it was a prohibition, and prohibitions are not... We don't... Almost never are prohibitions grouped under the ceremonial law. Just to, to rule that out for our listeners to make sure that they're like, oh, we're not missing anything. Now, what are your arguments? <laughs> okay. So, uh, what you were saying is about it going back to the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as whether it is uh, okay or not okay. Sure. Uh, a lot of people will argue First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, uh, as a great argument when you're considering getting a tattoo, which is, do you not know that the bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Huh? And so that will be the, I think, the most common argument people from my generation bring up about getting a tattoo is that it's not honoring to your body. You're putting things into your body that are not meant to be there, these inks and these kinds of things. Um, And so that is the most common argument I hear. I don't know about you. 
Uh, I've heard that argument. Uh, can I tear it apart? You can. You can try. Great. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, so first of all, context of your verse. In that, in that passage in 1 Corinthians, what we're talking about is we're talking about sexual immorality. Right. Specifically, Paul's responding to a problem of sexual immorality going on in the Corinthian church. And so when he says, don't defile your body, what he's talking about is not defiling it with sexual immorality. Now, I think the connection you've drawn makes sense, and I see logically why we're going there. But it's not what Paul's saying, and I want to be clear then. Okay, but even contextually, if you're dealing with sexual immorality, mm -hmm. um, it, it really, Paul overall is talking about, um, the, as when he talks about the, your body being the temple of the spirit, um, about separation from worldliness as a, a, a larger, uh, you know, you stepped out from it, the whole sexual immorality. Don't be like the world. You see these people doing these things uh, that are sexually immoral. Do not, do not participate, right? Treat your body as the temple. So overarching isn't that about being separate from the world and we have other verses that tell us to be sure yeah set apart uh-huh yes um let me finish one okay and then i will take on the other okay all right so if we're gonna go with so Paul, in this passage, is specifically talking about sexual immorality. That's not tattoos, and it's important to say that then that can't be a one-for-one, one, sure. although it can inform a larger theology about the other. Sure. The other problem is what you've, you've inferred that tattoos are somehow ruining the temple. They're somehow damaging the temple in a way that the temple ought not to be damaged. But this, again, is an inference that doesn't have any backing. Have you looked scientifically at what the inks do in your body? I believe. You should <laughs> and, research that. And you're kind of crazy about this, so we'll <laughs> see how that goes. Uh, that over the millennia uh -huh. of tattoo experience that human beings have, uh -huh. the adverse effects are minimal, if existent at all. Uh, you need to look at the latest research on that and the dyes that are placed into your body. Okay. Again, you're you're kind of off the wall about these dyes. I know, I know. And so I they think... They do affect us physically, however. And maybe you're right. Now, I would say that also not exercising affects us Absolutely. physically. Eating McDonald's affects us physically. Why do you do that? Actually, more. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I'm saying is yeah. to say... What all I'm saying is, it affects us, it, even if it does affect us negatively, which I'm not willing to say it does, but even if it does physiologically affect us negatively, mm -hmm. it affects us negatively in such a minute way that it doesn't offset anything that we would be able to do otherwise. And then on top of that, I think the notion that it somehow is desecrating the body, which is a is a notion I think sits underneath this sure. it's not healthy notion. Not for you specifically, I'm saying for a lot of people. Right, right. The notion of you've somehow ruined your appearance by doing this is also a very 
subjective notion that yeah. doesn't actually carry any weight. And so uh-huh. I think that one's out too. So yeah. why I'm saying that your passage isn't a one-for-one is, one, it's not sexual immorality, so we can't use it as a one-for-one, and two, your inference that it's destroying your body seems to not be correct. I don't know. I don't know about that second one. You really need to do some more research on that. I think you're a loon. (laughs) That's all right. I've been called worse. (laughs) I've been called much worse. All right, what's your next one? I forget what your next one was because we've been on this one for so long. Uh, I forget too. Uh, You brought up some other text. I did, didn't I? (laughs) Oh, I just, my argument was about... Uh, being set apart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because that's the other big argument I have heard is that when you are tattooing things on your body, it is, uh, you know, even the Levitical law, the heart of that was to be set apart, not being participating in this uh, pagan, these pagan rituals that actually came out of Egypt. And so you're participating by doing the tattooing. You are participating uh, with the culture in a way that is pagan versus being set apart as we should as Christians. So you wouldn't be participating in the culture in a pagan way, mainly because we don't live in a pagan culture. We live in a secular culture. Okay, but in a secular way now. Uh-huh. Yes. So I see what your argument is saying. And I think one of the disconnects here is that it probably, you probably are right if we lived when you grew up. If we were then, I think you might be right. Because I think what tattoos communicated to other people has changed a ton over this, over this time. And I think what tattoos used to communicate, maybe not in your childhood specifically, maybe a little before, but what tattoos used to communicate, and in some cultures still communicate, is a a violence and a roughness Mm -hmm. that is not Christian at all. That is not good. It communicates a rebellious... A rebellious spirit. A a rebellious spirit in a way that is is counter to the good. Right? Well, and some of that actually can still exist. And let me give you an example. Okay. Okay. Well, sure. You can still tattoo yourself that way. In a rebellious spirit, right? Sure. And so... Gang tattoos still exist. Absolutely. But not only that... Let's say you're a teenager and your parents, you know, we've got to go to the uh, honor your mother and father, right? Uh-huh. Your parents, you're under 18. Your parents say, I want to get a tattoo. I want to get a uh-huh. tattoo. I want to put Mickey Mouse on my face. And so are you worshiping Mickey Mouse? Maybe. But that's If you put him on your point. face, you are. I mean, that's, <laughs> a tattoo on the face just makes me cringe, period. But a tattoo anywhere really makes me cringe because I can't stand pain. Yeah. But, okay, on your face, Mickey Mouse. Uh-huh. No, you can't get a tattoo, and you're not getting a tattoo. The moment you turn 18, uh-huh. you don't want the Mickey Mouse anymore on your face. That was like a fleeting, I was 14 and I loved Mickey Mouse phase, right? Yeah. But... Just to rebel against your parent and to show them I have independence now, Uh you go out and you get Mickey Mouse tattooed on your face. Uh That's a rebellious spirit. Yeah. Sure. So kids still happen today. Oh, yeah. But yes, you're absolutely right. But what what is the problem here? Is the problem the tattoo, 
Or is the problem the spirit? The problem is the, is the spirit. the problem the not honoring your parents? And or also, it could be the tattoo. But is it inherent in the tattoo? Depends on so if two you people view it walk, as damaging your body. So two people walk into... <laughs> that's a good transition and I don't want to give it up. Do it. Yeah, I'm going to abandon my other argument. Okay. Because that's a good transition. Um... Oh, this is just tearing me inside. I... Do it. Let it out, Luke. Let it what go. So <laughs> that is a good segue into part of one of the things that I think is the most important application piece yes. of this verse. Here we and go. And that is that we are told several times in several different places in the New Testament not to violate our conscience. And so, if it does happen that you are convinced, like you are, <laughs> clearly, throughout I'm this... I'm just making an argument. If, if, you if, don't know where I stand. Yeah. If you're convinced that it is harmful to your body, that you would be damaging the temple that is your body in doing that, then 100% absolutely do not get a tattoo. Right. Because you'd be violating... what you think is God honoring, which means that you're actively not honoring God. That's a bad spot to be in. Absolutely. So don't, do not violate your conscience because you think, okay, if you really do think it's damaging your body, then stay away from it. Right. You ought not to do it because you think it's damaging your body and you don't think that's, that's edifying to God. That is perfectly fine. You're perfectly good to do that and you ought to stick to that. Okay, but it also brings up another application piece, which is uh -huh. the application of, in Scripture, it tells us to not cause anyone to stumble. And that we are to actually give up our freedoms in Christ when we know they are going to cause someone else to stumble. Uh -huh. So let's say you're in a church and this church is very against, you know, you're a member of a church, they're very, you know, the leadership, the elders of this church are very against tattoos. Uh, people in the church view them as um, not God-honoring. Mm -hmm. Does that change what you do? Mm. Does that alter whether or not you get a tattoo? So this now... <laughs> has turned into a conversation about Christian liberty and about which what I think that... is where this is all going right mm -hmm. because if you're saying the civil law is about the heart of the matter then isn't that all leading us to can I eat idol meat worship idols yes meat which yeah which is basically a question of my Christian liberties yeah I think one of the most helpful ways to view the concept of Christian liberty, because Christian liberty actually, I think, throws you off. The wording throws us off about what Paul means about it. Paul's clear that under the new covenant, and I think we're clear here if this is a civil law, that there's nothing evil about tattoos. There's nothing, there's nothing inherently evil in the ink. There's nothing inherently evil in, in the practice of it unless so you're paul, doing it paul's no no yeah, unless you're board. doing it in that's a culture how you use it. that's how you use it not what it is 
Okay. Purely what it is is all not right. evil. Okay. How you use it can be evil. That's true about all objects. All right. Okay. But, um, so Christian. So so Paul's Paul's talking about Christian liberty is that we now are at liberty. We are free to do many things. We're free to do a lot of things, and we're okay to do a lot of those things. But that's not what Paul means about Christian liberty in that passage in 1 Corinthians, where he's talking about idol meat, or in pretty much all the passages where he talks about it. It's really Christian liberty to contain oneself. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's really Christian liberty to restrain yourself. So you are free to not offend others. Not so much free to do whatever you want. Now, this freedom is a great thing and it's a gift and it's it really is there. We really are free to act, to to deal with these things in a way that is not evil, that is not, you know, destructive. But always with a mind to what is this communicating to people around me? And so the example that you brought up of, okay, I am, I'm in a congregation, I'm in an environment where I know clearly what the thought about tattoos are. I know what that's going to mean. I know what it's going to communicate. And so if you're in that context, if I then get a Mickey Mouse tattoo on my face, <laughs> if, I, if I do that, then I know I'm... I'm and I am now deliberately offending everyone around me. Almost rebelliously. Almost rebelliously. Would you argue? And so there's nothing wrong with my Mickey Mouse tattooed face. Maybe. But It's weird. It's weird, but there's <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong that I've intentionally offended everyone around me. That I've I've almost gone out to get them with you this. knowingly to are fire them up. Your job in that your role in that situation then is I'm going to prove to these people that there's nothing wrong with tattoos by getting a Mickey Mouse tattooed on my face. Yeah. That's what you're doing, sure. right? Sure. And that's a conversation I think we can have. Previous to getting the tattoo. I would do it before the tattoo, <laughs> yeah. Because you've, uh, you've uh, straight out the gate, out the door, offended. Yeah. So many people with this, uh-huh. just to prove a point. Uh-huh. Yeah, where that conversation could have happened. Right. Same thing with your parent. You know, you're a teenager. Uh-huh. All right, let's really have a conversation about this. Let's sit down and talk about it. Instead of I did it, you yeah. know, I did it to spite you, just out of rebellion. Uh huh. Yeah. I now. Let's go. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the aisle. Mickey Mouse tattoo walks into your church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Mickey Mouse face walks in. Mickey Mouse face is here. He's To here. worship Jesus. How do you react to Mickey Mouse face? Yeah. Well, that's a good question because Maybe now you are you causing him to stumble? Right. You didn't know Mickey Mouse face before. I didn't know who Mickey Mouse is. Well, I know who Mickey Mouse right. is. You know what I mean. But what you do know is in Christ, or what you ought to know, is in Christ, Mickey Mouse Face is free to get his Mickey Mouse Face. He's free to do that. 
there's not sin there. Unless, of course, he is worshipping Mickey Mouse, and then maybe we have a problem. But, but let's assume that he's here to worship Jesus and not here to worship Mickey Mouse. Because he did walk into a church. I'm going to argue if you have Mickey Mouse on your face, there is one point in your life that you did worship Mickey Mouse. And maybe that point has passed. <laughs> right, right. And maybe we regret the I Mickey Mouse I mean, it's Mouse on your face. face. Maybe we regret the <laughs> I just want you to know, I'm picturing like the face the whole of Mickey face? Mouse on yeah, your face. Exactly. Okay, the good. whole face. I just want to make sure that us and our listeners are on the same page about what we're picturing. We're not Mickey talking Mouse about a little corner of the, the cheek or forehead. Now, where are the <laughs> ears? So. Is it anyway? I don't. Any is he ones. wearing them? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, maybe. Would you have to just wear them all the time? Yeah. Um. That's a whole whole other topic. It's a whole podcast, really, That's in itself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Mickey Mouse face walks in. Yeah. Right. How do we engage with Mickey Mouse yeah. face? Because I would argue on that side of things that you may be causing Mickey Mouse face to stumble uh-huh. if you if he walks in the door or she and because you know, you could have Mickey could be, Mouse yeah. instead of Minnie as a female. But anyway, you walk in the door, Mickey Mouse face, you immediately you know, all of your body language, your communications, like right. stay away from that dude crazy mickey mouse face we don't want him here sure and now you could be causing him to stumble right yeah you can you can be uh pushing you know him out of or her out of a place where we all need to be right a place where, where we we should be um even though you know maybe mickey, Ma- mickey mouse face is your brother in christ mickey mouse face Maybe is, he's lost. Maybe he's lost even. Yeah. You know, we've pushed him out of the place that had that we all would agree and say has true healing and and Christ Christ sacrifice is proclaimed in this place and that's right. what we need. Right. Right? We've we've ostracized Mickey Mouse face all the way out the door. And that's happened a lot. Yeah. I I would say that <laughs> Is probably, you know, I, hey, let me give you an example. So I was working for this church a while ago and uh, a gentleman wanted to volunteer in the children's ministry. Now, I agree that there are things that you need to qualify as far as what the Bible says about who can teach um, and who should teach and who should not teach. So I I think podcast in itself. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. That's a good one too. But anyway, um sitting down with that person, that should be my uh you know, to figure out should they teach or should they not teach. That should be the the qualifications, it's the spiritual qualifications. So dude has sleeves of inappropriate tattoos, right? Um really yeah, inappropriate tattoos. Inappropriate, like, like naked women. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. By inappropriate, I mean inappropriate. Wow. Right. How? And he wants mm. to teach kids. Weird. Well, these ha- these happened in his life early on, previous to him coming to Christ. I mean, I assume that. Right. Part. So, yeah. Yeah. So basically, he's, and he's trying to cover them. Yeah. On a regular basis. You sure, know, even in the summer. So, like oh, wearing okay. long sleeves, yeah, I don't okay. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 
to get them removed and he's not of uh great wealth so to get them removed would be extremely costly yeah and maybe he was going to go through that i didn't ask that but a lot of the church people demanded that he not teach the children uh-huh. and it was based not based on his spiritual well-being or his what has had, had happened to him what the holy spirit had brought him through in his spiritual growth it was based on the tattoos that were on his arm and people knowing that they were there previous even if he was trying to keep them covered yeah. and so what happened is he left the church right yeah so i think in that way did the church people cause him to stumble huh. in their review of what had happened what he had made a decision to do unsaved uh-huh yeah so i think that can happen yeah. and i think it does happen so you know us old cronies uh sure when someone who walks into sure. the church with these tattoos i think that's naturally because of culturally what it meant when we were younger a rebellious sure. spirit a sinful heart that that was a representation of that that that's immediately what you jump to uh, or can be immediately what you jump to that we should avoid. Right. Right. I agree. On the other side uh -huh. of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when we look at Christian Liberty and, and not just that, I think that this is applicable actually throughout your entire life in every single situation you're in, in every time that you are talking, engaging with at all, another human being, when, when a conflict or an awkwardness or uncomfortableness arises, always first say, what can I do to alleviate this problem? What is my part in this? And if you are sitting there looking, looking at Mickey Mouse face and saying, oh my word, how could you tattoo Mickey Mouse on your face? We might say that's reasonable, but what's, what's your part? Your part is to welcome Mickey Mouse face as either your brother, because he really is, if he is in Christ, or as someone who is desperately in need of that same saving, saving grace that you experienced that you also didn't deserve because you were a piece of trash, maybe even worse than Mickey Mouse face. It's just that his problem is right. still on his face. I'm a piece of trash every day. Right. I sin against a holy God every single day. And the only reason I have Christ is because it was a gift that was given to me. Right. And I have to repent every morning of of my sinfulness so you know to stay not to stay right before god i am constantly right before god because of the substitutional sacrifice of christ but my heart needs to be realigned with christ every single day right you know i mean i it's a battle i fight my sin every single day i'm no different than mickey mouse face no no but we like to think we are because i don't have a tattoo right, right? So these people can't see your problem. Right. They might be able to see my problem, you know, and maybe I'm completely gluttonous uh, and you can see that problem. Sure. Um, well, sure. Yeah. You, you know, I, there are other problems that you can yeah, there's see. There's other sins you can see. There's other sins of uh, a slant. You, you walk around the church slandering everyone. You that's obvious. You've sure. got a slander problem. Sure. 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 I'm saying that this is imminently more visible immediately i right. don't have to know anything about you to right. know you have a mickey mouse on your face right 
I just have to see you one time. And so, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you can't mention the Mickey Mouse on the face. I mean, he's probably used to it. He's probably got a couple comments about like, his Mickey Mouse face. I'm saying that that as as Christians, our job is to embrace all other people with kindness and the gospel. Right. All the time. Yes. And so we can mention Mickey. We can mention the tattoo. We can talk about the tattoo. Joke about the tattoo if he wants to joke. Whatever. Yeah. But are we encountering? Are we embracing this man in mm-hmm. the way that Christ embraced the people that he encounters? Right. All throughout the Gospels. No matter what situation they're in. Right. And I would argue, too, for people um, who bring up the whole thing about, you know, being set apart, which is true. You know, um, it, it's not it's not that that happens instantly. That's part of our sanctification, too. So I would argue that your desires, you know, it doesn't mean that, okay, let's say I get saved today. Uh, I put all my faith and trust in Christ and I determined to follow him with all of my life. And he has saved my heart. Um, today, tomorrow, I could go out and get a tattoo. Am I not a Christian anymore? That's not how it works, no. right? So let's, I'm just saying, if you that's what you believe. If you believe that it is sinful oh, okay. um, and you go out and get a tattoo... Or yeah. someone believes it's sinful. That doesn't. Sure. It's not how it works. Um, but over time, or you do something else. It doesn't even have to be a tattoo that is sinful, right? Sure. Um, so over time, the Holy Spirit changes your heart to desire the things of Christ more and more and more. It's called sanctification. So you change over time sure. to. To desire the things that honor and glorify God. Sure. But in this situation, you could be instantly viewed as, well, that guy's not a Christian. Look at those tattoos. Right. Right? And that's not how it works. Right. And that's what I'm saying. The responsibility of, you know, if you are sitting in the place of, I do think tattoos are a problem. I, I sincerely think it's, it's like destroying your body. It's not good for you. I... If that's your position, your your disposition towards those who walk in with the sleeve, with the guy's sleeve of even like crazy tattoos, is still Christian charity. Right. It is still the disposition of embracing people with the gospel. Yes. Always. And then, if I'm the guy with the sleeve of the women, what's what's my job? When I'm walking, when I'm when I am going into this place, I think, and I think he, you even mentioned that this gentleman did try to do this. Yeah, is to cover that up because I'm because I think maybe it'll probably offend some of these people, especially if I know it's like there is it's, something that is offensive, right, on, on the sleeve or whatever. Then I'm going to try and cover it up. I'm going to I'm going to try and present myself in a way that that won't offend other people because I don't want to offend other people because I as a Christian am trying to also display Christian charity and embrace people with the gospel as well right. and I know that this thing that that this past that I have is going to detract from what is really true about me right in that I am a child of of God right and I've I've been saved and I want you to see that too and yeah. so so you would attempt to cover it up do whatever you know we all have different means and different abilities to do that. Right. So whatever is you you know you have access to, you would do that, and that's your job on that side of it. If you don't, 
So, I guess, you know what, I chafed a little when you said we weren't going to answer specifically, but I guess that's true. Yeah. We're not going to answer specifically. I, we, I don't have a specific answer about whether this is good or bad. I think our motives matter. Our heart matters. Our heart motives matter a lot our Christian when we are sacrificing our Christian liberties matter. I mean, these, right. it just brings up um, greater conversations. Sure. You know, then can we or can we not as Christians have tattoos? Right. And so my, personally, my conscience. Before you go there. I'm going to go there. You I, can't I, stop me. I don't care. I'll go there. But uh, before you go there, I just want to say, too, that if if we are so staunch about our opinions in, in something like this, that we're unwilling to sacrifice our Christian liberties, I'm putting that in quotes for you. Um, that's a heart problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a big s- heart yep. problem. That's the same. And I feel like rebellion. a lot of people sit there like, listen, it's not wrong. I'm going to do it. It's this rebellious spirit, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just think th- that our default should always be I am willing to sacrifice these things in order for God to be proclaimed and for his gospel to be proclaimed and for no one to stumble. Uh-huh. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I agree. So go ahead. Give us. I don't have any problem with tattoos. I don't think they're wrong at all. Um, I think I agree with what you said before that if I am getting... Uh, well, let me say, uh, don't get Mickey Mouse in your face. If you've learned one <laughs> thing from this podcast, I hope that it's having a Mickey Mouse in your face will cause you social problems in all sectors of life, uh-huh. not just not just the church. Um, now, maybe I- you, you took something else from this podcast as well, but <laughs> principally, I want you to know, don't tattoo Mickey Mouse in your face. I'm going to take the stance of, I think there could be times where getting a tattoo is wrong and that is out of a rebellious spirit out of idol worship or out of uh an unwillingness to sacrifice your freedoms yeah so yes so i am a wimp and so i don't have any tattoos um i have zero (laughs) that's mainly because i'm a wimp same not really because of any pain bad pain bad um, I cut my finger were, this week and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I walked in when you did that. That was You really did think that was the end. Yeah. Um, but I think if I was going to get a tattoo, and I've thought about it a couple times, if I was going to get a tattoo, I would get it in a place that I would naturally cover a lot. That it wouldn't be unnatural for me to have covered. Because I think that then I am always in a position to say, okay, what group am I entering? Am I entering a group of people that I have a good reason to suspect will find this offense, will find having tattoos at all offensive? And if I am, I'll just make sure that's covered. That they okay. won't see that. And then that's fine. Because I'm not, I haven't sacrificed my liberty in that. I thought this was a good idea and I wanted to get this thing, and so I did. I haven't sacrificed my liberty, but I also am trying to be all things to all people. And so I don't want to offend them. I have no need to offend them. And so I'll just cover it up. All right. Now, some tattoos, Mickey Mouse face specifically, you can't really cover that up. 
You can't. You could with another mask. Maybe. <clears throat> now you're double masked. And you're Mickey Mouse on top of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I would like to know. I'd oh. like to hear more from our... That was scary. I would like to hear more from our listeners on what their view of this is. What do they sure. think? Right or wrong? What are your reasons? Give me some backup. What do you got? Throw yeah. it at me. I love it. I love it when people throw stuff at me. Yeah. I mean, not literal things. But Tell us what you think. Argue with each other. That's always How fun. are they going to do that? Uh, you do it in the comments of YouTube. You could also email us at trainedupod at gmail.com, which is our email. Uh, there are no capital letters, but no emails have capitals anyway. Um, there's no punctuation. Just trainedupod at gmail.com. Or you could just talk to us individually. Uh, it's less fun and it does less for the algorithms to push us, but you could do it that way, I suppose. Uh, I like hearing from people. I don't care how you how I hear from you. Just text me. You know, put the comment on the YouTubes the and YouTubes. the. <laughs> um, yeah. However, email us. So, I don't care. I'm open to anything. Whatever you're watching this on, uh, like it, subscribe to the channel, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. However you however you've listened to this podcast, um, please like and subscribe. It helps. To have those platforms then show our our podcast to other people who maybe we don't know or you know maybe want to listen to other inform you know other podcasts like this, um, so that we can we can hopefully be able to communicate to more people and hopefully you're getting something other than the Mickey Mouse tattoo conversation out of this. So like and subscribe it helps push the, push the content forward. Boom. So next week. Oh. It's or gonna next be a time. rough one. It's not gonna be a rough one. It's gonna be a rough, it's not one. Gonna be a rough one. So next I, time, I've had no, uh, two specific requests for this topic from our listeners, which so means we're we gonna, gotta do it. We gotta do it. So we're gonna cover First Thessalonians four fifteen through seventeen, and we're covering the concept of the rapture, a relatively popular concept in certain denominations that I may or may not have grown up in. <laughs> yeah. So that's is, next. Is there a rapture of the saints at the, during the end times? Is there not? Two specific requests. You listeners are forcing us down this road. I'm happy. And Force we're going. More. Force me more. Read it, it ahead of time. So, in conclusion, when we're thinking about tattoos and when we're thinking about generally what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do in, in, as regards our Christian liberty, the point is, and the point I think we ought to leave off is, love one another. Show love to each other, always in all of these things.